0: Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of dark video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 The Secret of the Ooze. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, April O'Neil, played by Paige Turco, reports on the environmental pollution from a local laboratory. The Turtles and Splinter recognize that their ooze is what created them. They are off to search for answers, only to find that Shredder is back and he's using the mutagen to create new supervillains. Screenplay by Todd W. Langan, directed by Michael Pressman, and released on March 22, 1991. Have you seen Turtles 2 before?
1: Yes, it's been a very long time.
0: It's been a long time for me as well. But yes, as a massive Turtles fan, I have definitely seen it a couple times. We watched the VHS that I brought from home, (laughs) that I owned. So yes, I have also seen it. Um, Guess we should mention this is like my birthday week pick. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this was an easy pick for me. Uh, now that we started doing birthday picks for this. Yeah, Turtles 2, first first choice. Uh, before we get into the meat of the movie, though, we do have some previews. We do have some coming attractions that we can talk about from the VHS. First, we had a commercial for the BK Kids Club. Yeah. If you remember that thing, which I kind of forgot. They had all kinds of different cartoon characters and personalities that they're trying to...
1: Yeah, I was never a Burger King person.
0: I hated their burgers. I still don't like their burgers.
1: Yeah, the only thing I like at Burger King are their croissant witches.
0: Yeah, their breakfast food and. Um, their fish sandwich. Fish but, I mean, as is fine. a kid,
1: I was not into Burger King. I was a McDonald's or Wendy's person.
0: Yeah, me too. The-
1: so when I saw. I remember BK Kids, but I was like, I'll stick to a happy meal for McDonald's
0: we went to burger king quite a bit i mean especially when they started doing the bk kids club stuff because that's when they started to focus a little more on trying to do the happy meal thing and offer toys along with food um and my dad was a major collector of all of those promotional stuff across all the different companies so you know we'd had you know mcdonald's and burger king and whatever else was offering toys and promo items that was that was his big thing, so yeah, I, I remember it now. But it never caught on. Like no one cared the same way that they cared about like Grimace and Birdie and yeah, because it of was just like characters from decades.
1: It wasn't specific characters.
0: It was they just were just generic like, kids. who It was were like trying
1: animated to, children.
0: Yeah, just trying to <laughs> fill the various different diversity quotients and whatnot. And
1: but, right, so you didn't have. Cookie-looking characters like Grimace or the Hamburglar or a clown or anything like, right. or you know, you didn't have the little chicken McNugget people, it, like McDonald's. It was yeah. just like animated children.
0: It very much felt like they were just trying to latch on to any and all kids. It, it seemed like a very obvious pander. Even right. as a kid, you saw okay, they're just pandering. <laughs> Whereas, like, when they rebranded and did, like, the BK King with, you know, the yeah. weird, creepy costume face, that was, and trying to gear more towards, like, college-age adults and stuff, and that worked better.
1: I right. Think. I will say the Burger King Kids Club lasted from 1990 until
0: 1999. Oh, okay. It's kind of longer than I thought it would have, but yeah. They just didn't have, yeah, they didn't have the personality, and maybe, you know,
1: so, I, yeah, the, okay, the I'm first. going a little bit more into the Burger King <laughs> Kids Club. It's, you know, it was it just, it was like a thing where children had to sign up and receive a membership card and mm-hmm. you get like a free meal on their birthday. It That's just. If you wanted to, you yeah, didn't have to. but that's just too much work for a child. It's like you had to have your parents do it for you. Yeah, like my dad. Yeah. The but, <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> That's just when we to got get, mail
0: addressed to the just, dog sometimes, right? Because there's another membership under the dog's name.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's just a lot of work instead of just going to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal and a toy, like, no matter what. You don't have to sign up for anything. Well, you
0: so. got that, too. But, but you also could get extra stuff if you got put on the mailing list.
1: Okay. I just never did it because i just didn't care
0: yeah it's just like you know weird little membership club for exclusive additional stuff and newsletters and whatever you know various random tchotchkes so you got that one commercial no pizza commercials in the in front of this one in front of turtles one vhs there was a pizza commercial which was a weird one yeah it
1: was a pizza hug commercial but in the movie they were eating domino's pizza
0: they were yeah
1: and then it's like they took, for this, for the second movie, they were eating from a local chain, the Ray's Pizza.
0: Which makes a lot more sense for New York.
1: Yes, which I looked up Ray's Pizza and is now
0: closed. And no one else has taken over the name because there's so many different like, I think it's a, personal it was, names. We
1: never went to it. Is it Ray's or Roy's Pizza? Uh,
0: this was Roy's. Okay. So Roy's might be... Yeah, fictional, so, or it might exist, or there no, might be it's like not, five it's, different permutations of Roy's Pizza in New York. There
1: was a Roy's Pizza, and it is now permanently closed. But I think this was a pizza place that, I think they were well-known. And it was a pizza place that I kind of wanted to go to, but we never went to.
0: Yeah, the pizza looked good. Yeah, and it
1: made me want...
0: Some New York. Just New York
1: style, <laughs> but not... Just any pizza. I wanted a giant, yeah, single slice that I can just fold and eat. Yeah, which is hard to find here, kind
0: of. Yeah, it is. It's hard for to find in Chicago area. Um, but real quickly, we'll go over the previews as well. So there was two previews after the commercials. We had Suburban Commando, which is mm-hmm. what we've already covered, and I think it the preview probably added most of the best bits from the movie. Yeah, it
1: pretty form. much gave the movie away.
0: Kinda. I mean, they didn't have, like, the final fight or anything. Or...
1: But it showed the monsters, and I don't remember in the original trailers any monsters. Like, know. at all. Yeah.
0: I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it gave away too much of the plot, but um, it gave away some of the better jokes. Which is understandable for comedy. Um, and then you had a preview for a movie that they called Step Kids. But I guess, I don't know if it's just rebranded or they just changed the title later. It uh, they, We know it as Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even.
1: Yes, it was in the early... I guess the early promotions for this movie, it was called Stepkids. But then when it was finally released, it was Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even.
0: Yeah, because I was looking and I'm like, I don't remember Stepkids being on the list. But
1: I remember this movie because I have seen it. And this was the movie that I thought, and you thought your parents were weird, was.
0: Because it was a similar family movie with a very long title yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, that one looked interesting it didn't look bad um, I, I've never seen it I've never really I don't know anything about it other than what I saw in the trailer and it seemed like it would be okay but another time perhaps
1: yeah it's a like a about a blended family I, I think this is just the year where it's like They started showing movies where you had to deal with parents who were divorced, and then you have the dealing of step-parents. Because, I mean, this is probably the third movie of 1991 dealing with divorce, and then step-parents, and then dealing with, like, being in a blended family. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think
0: yeah it wasn't super super common because obviously you besides like to... you know
1: the brady bunch or something but i thought i thought the brady bunch they were both widowed or something that, yeah. so it wasn't, it wasn't because divorce. of be- divorce right but and then i was thinking of parenthood the parenthood they were all fan it's just all married families already i don't think there was one where it was a divorced woman but i don't think she got remarried
0: Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since they've seen Parenthood. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's a good point overall. I think this like, is this probably is closer the, to the
1: beginnings the start. of dealing with divorce and then step parents and then step brothers and sisters and half brothers, sisters, that type and of thing. And you
0: had like Step by Step as well as a yeah. sitcom that dealt with that blended as well. Um, so uh, that was it. Just the two previews. And then we get into the meat of the movie, which starts with everyone eating Roy's pizza. Every single person in New York is doing things while eating pizza. They're walking down the street. They're driving. They're, you know, cops are arresting people while eating pizza. Like, there's, it was... It it's a thing. A, a bunch of, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> it was really a really interesting opening yeah, sequence. It, which made me really want
1: pizza. Because I was like, okay, I'm ready for pizza. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like purposely comical. Um, and over the top but it was a good intro to the movie and obviously you know leads into Roy's Pizza where Kino our new character played by Ernie Reyes Jr. who is sort of a superstar at this time um, at least in as far as I'm aware as like a 10 year old kid uh, he's making a delivery to April O'Neil, who orders pizza very, very regularly. So that's like a quick way to transition and get us into the story mm-hmm. and introduce a new character and all this kind of stuff. But along the way to the delivery, Kino sees a robbery in progress at some sort of a mall thing, it's, I yeah. guess, it's like a strip mall thing that's attached to an alley. It looked like it was a very weird location, but anyway, there's a robbery in progress and he's encounters like a big group of guys who are all wearing like pantyhose masks Um, and he tries to stop them with his martial arts skills Mm -hmm. does okay for a little bit until like a big more you know like a massive group of additional people come in it's like this i don't know 40 different guys all robbing the place all at once (laughs) it's like this massive operation um and and then the turtles pop in to, to help and uh, give us our first fight scene. And I'll say that this first fight scene is probably a lot better and more creative than what we saw in virtually all of the first movie altogether. Okay. Um, and I think part of that is because this, okay, the first movie was a surprise success, Right, it was a yeah, very it, low budget movie. It didn't really get distributed um, by like a lot of studios passed on it. They thought the turtles were kind of a flash in the pan, and they didn't want to risk the money. And then New Line said, "Okay, we'll we'll give you a shot," and it became like a massive hit. Yeah, it, quickly... it was
1: considered a quote independent movie because yeah,
0: because it was made before it had a studio to release it. Yeah. And um, it was one of the most successful independent movies of all time until, like, Blair Witch. Yeah. Basically. Uh, And so, obviously, they're going to quickly greenlight a sequel. And with that became uh, a budget. They had, like, Mm a $25 million budget for this one.
1: Turtles 2 and then Turtles 3, like, almost back to back. back
0: to back to back. Turtles 3, we could talk about a whole other time if we wanted to. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I didn't like it at the time. And I think that's kind of a...
1: Yeah, after Turtles Common 3, perception. I was like, meh. But I just I just like the
0: cartoon
1: only. Yeah, I like know. these two movies and then the cartoon, and I was more just into the cartoon.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> we can get into that whole <laughs> segment of the thing. Um, with the $25 million budget, however, that means that the Jim Henson puppetry company can creates better suits more mobile suits better faces better facial expressions um you know the first one the first movie the fight scenes were a little bit clunky in a sense because you had I don't know, bigger, you have real... bigger bulkier suits yeah you can do a whole lot in these suits close-ups.
1: yeah and i can't even imagine doing martial arts in it. I yeah. mean, it. we could also get into this like in the trivia and then what I found out later because of the actress who played April Neal in the first one. Right. Judith Hogue. One of the reasons why... She had many reasons why she didn't want to come for the second. Or the second and... the Both the sequels. Right, yeah. She just didn't want to come back, yeah. Yeah, and it was... She saw how the extras or how the people in these suits were being treated and they weren't being treated fairly. And she also thought their fighting was just too violent for a child's movie. And she also thought it was more of like, um, a horror
0: movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you look at what the suits look like now, yes, (laughs) because they deteriorated really poorly. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I try to look up what the turtle suits look like these days. And, yeah, they they were not meant to be preserved for all time. They have, um, they look like So, you,
1: that was one of the Because I was like, why did they, you know, how come they have a different actress for April O'Neil? And that was one of the major reasons why Judith didn't. Even though I really like Judith as April O'Neil.
0: I did, too. And... Um, she, but I also mostly, like Paige. I don't yeah, I don't mind like, Paige at all.
1: Yeah, I like both of them. It's just like I really liked the first April O'Neill because, you know, that's the first woman you see is a live action mm-hmm. April O'Neil.
0: Yeah, she was good. She was no nonsense. Um, she had strength behind her and um, I think she played the character really, really well. I think where Paige kind of she doesn't have that opportunity to present her strength and yeah, independence she in the same way. Barely yeah, in she's, it. Yeah, less important to the plot in general. Um, but I think she had a better chemistry and rapport with the turtles. With characters. the turtles, yeah. So that's that's the difference. That's sort of the trade-off. Uh, Paige Turco. This is really her first feature. She had been a soap opera actress in like Guiding Light and All My Children, and then she went on to do things like NYPD Blue, Party of Five, The Agency, and The One Hundred. Um, so very long TV career, but this was, I think, her first feature, and then she reprised her role as April as uh, in in the third movie as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think it made the first fight scene those suits um, better, and they also just used the props of the mall and like this toy store, the sporting goods store that they're in, and improvised with that, and like you know, incorporated it into the fight scene, which is great. The first movie, they had fight scenes that were, you know, in April's apartment. And...
1: Yeah, causing an entire fire for her whole building. Yeah. So, and... But I think one of the major things why it was different like that was because that was one of the major complaints about the first movie, was it was too violent.
0: Which, that's coming so, from adults and not yeah, from the kid fans. Yes. Because I can tell you now and also back then... I prefer the first one, mostly because of the darker tone.
1: Yeah, I like how dark the first one it was or is.
0: <laughs> and it wasn't super dark. It still had a lot of cartoony elements to it. It still had like the goofy sound effects here and there. Um, yeah, obviously it had a lot of like cheesy, basic ass humor thrown in there. But yeah, overall, it's a
1: lot of their humor. It kind of goes over a child's head because their humor is very adult they're t- doing like three Stooges type humor and then they also reference old movies like Casablanca and stuff like that when you're
0: I mean when I was younger most kids might not know about it you're just yeah. like,
1: oh he's doing a funny voice
0: yeah, which works as well and then as you get older you're like oh okay, that's what that was yeah but when
1: we were watching and they were like Michelangelo the one who's doing like all these uh like he was doing um Sylvester Stallone as Rocky and I mean a parent would know that but I don't know if like a 8 year old kid would really get that unless they watched Rocky (laughs) But um, and then he also did yeah like the Casablanca thing and then sort of like a Three Stooges thing and you had April O'Neil cracking up over it But as a kid, you're kind of like, oh, he's just making funny voices and being funny.
0: But you're not really
1: getting the joke.
0: And as an adult, you're like, eh, these impressions are not that good. Right. And they're (laughs) also not very funny. Yeah, I'm (laughs) like, (laughs) April,
1: (laughs) it's not that funny. I don't know. You see April, like, slapping her leg, almost falling off a chair because of these. Yeah. But, yeah, but this movie was just like... The fighting was more cartoony, yes, and it, cheesy, which well, okay, here's um, what I'll
0: say. Like, I, I think I like the first sight I, I like the first scene fight scene the best, but the rest of the fight scenes in the second movie are worse than what we saw in the first. yeah, and a lot of that is because I don't know, like it felt way too cartoony at times, where you know the the soldiers were basically just waiting to be hit. Yeah, a lot of the times, or they're doing a lot of like childhood playground stuff, like you know, putting one hand over the other on a baseball bat, mm-hmm. instead of like actually trying to hurt somebody. Like, okay, well, let's let's do this little kids game, and then haha, I win, and then punch in the face. Um, I don't know, just like a lot of weird little stuff like that. That's meant to be, it, it's meant to inject humor and have give the kids fun, but the kids know better. The kids who are watching this are like this is lame. Again, like the BK Kids Club, this is pandering to me. Mm -hmm. This is not the hardcore action that we want to see. And the other part that's a big downside is they really don't use their weapons all that much.
1: That's because of the complaint of, you know, too violent. So if they actually show Raphael using his size, like actually really cutting or hurting someone or stabbing someone with it. But he didn't
0: really cut or hurt anybody in well, the I first... Mean, they, you know, it's all kid stuff where they're all unconscious afterwards. You don't see blood, you don't see Yeah, like you don't see... The only
1: like vi- quote violent thing was the entire apartment building being like burned down.
0: So yeah, just the act of fighting in general is whatever. Um, so it does kind of neuter the scenes and i also think that the big the, the other thing i'll say is like okay the big scenes with like toko and Rezar, um who are characters will get into more in depth later as well uh that kind of just ends abruptly you know in A lot, the super shredder fight at the very end yeah the very like very nonexistent end because he yeah. just like self-destructs in a himself sense, like it, within it, like two minutes of appearing in the movie
1: because you were you're hoping for like a huge it's kind of like you know a video game you're like you got these small bosses to the big boss you, you're hoping like the big boss fight is going to be this major hardcore fight and it's just like a two minute thing where super shredder just like collapses and and like all this stuff falls on him again yeah. and then he can't move all of a sudden even though he's super Shredder and should like come out of it yeah
0: I th- it's disappointing I mean the Shredder fight in the first movie is also kind of disappointing honestly
1: Yeah, that you're
0: on a rooftop and then each turtle takes a one-on-one shot at him quickly gets dismissed and then Splinter is able to get him off the roof and he falls into the the trash the garbage thing, truck yeah Oh, yeah, so okay. it's, it's it's quick and and easy, and you don't have, like, a big four-on-one thing with a lot of choreography, again, probably because of the suit limitation. Yeah. But this time it's just because they wanted to probably get the movie over quickly, or maybe show, like, his hubris was his downfall, rather than the turtles, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm so strong, I don't care about the dock that's on top of me, I'm gonna yeah, break I'm all a... these things, and I'm super strong, and uh-oh, I'm dead.
1: Yeah, and... It's like all this buildup for nothing in both movies. Because you're like, uh-huh. oh, they're going to beat the Shredder. And then when you're like in the cartoons, like Shredder's, you know, the big baddie that they always have to come after all these years.
0: Yeah. It, well, here's, here's the thing. Like, I guess, okay. Um, Eastman and Laird, who wrote the, the comics. Mm-hmm. right? Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman they did not want this movie to be like the cartoons they okay. did not want shredder back for this movie oh okay and so that was something that the studio was kind of forced upon them um and they were really happy with the idea of like shredder being dead and have some sort of finality and they wanted to move on to other villains like like rat king i think was one of the ones that they wanted to possibly do or mm. maybe find a way to do baxter stockman um which you know it, Talking about, like, the Professor character, David Warner, who plays Professor Perry, who's, you know, the the lead person at this lab. They could have probably found a way to maybe transition him into a Baxter Stockman character if they really wanted to bring him Mm -hmm. back. Um, Because he kind of... He kind of teeter-totters between, like, helping both evil and good, and you don't know where his alliances always lie. And there seems to be a little bit of moral grayness to him, but he's mostly good. But... Um, but yeah, long, long story short is like, this is not meant to be the cartoon. The creators did not want this to be like the cartoon. The studio did want it to be that way. And that's also why we got Tolka and Razor because the studios wanted Rocksteady and Bebop. Every kid who watched the trailer yeah, of this movie was like, what the Bebop hell is this? Why are they, You know, like, who are these two new characters? Why not just give us Rocksteady and Bebop?
1: Were they in the third one? Because I vaguely remember.
0: I... God, it's been so long. I don't think so. Because isn't that mostly just in Japan? Japan.
1: So it's like Karate Kid. Like they do a Karate Kid type story. Like I don't think there
0: are any like super mutant villains in the third one that are new. But maybe I'm wrong? It's been so long. For some
1: reason, I thought Bebop and Rocksteady appeared... In a movie, in a live action movie, but maybe I'm
0: maybe the newest wrong, one,
1: <laughs> uh, which I haven't seen the Michael Bay ones. Yeah, but I don't even want to see those.
0: No. Like I'm, I'm mildly curious, but uh, I don't know. But
1: it's all like CGI, and I'm not. But <clears throat> into CGI, roided out turtles.
0: Yeah. So anyway. I remember as a kid that that was disappointing in a yeah. way like you you expect okay they're going to bring this lore here's rock City and bebop who also exists in the comics yeah but they're you know the the two main thugs in the cartoon and so i think that's probably why eastman and laird were more against it is because they wanted to create that separation and and you know expand the universe a little bit more and make this more of a darker thing and these guys are doofy thugs Um, And so you got Toko and Rezar who are I don't know know, Visually not that Dissimilar from Roxy and Bebop You have like the brown one And you have the grayish one (laughs) You know Yeah but Um, one's
1: like a wolf Yeah the the only difference is yeah
0: you have a wolf and a snapping turtle
1: And The wolf One Look like The
0: That'd be Razor, I believe. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I thought Razor would be the turtle because of like razor teeth. Oh, well, I don't know. Claws. Okay, claws.
0: And Toka, I believe, is the turtle.
1: Okay, but Razor—he looked like the um, the beast monster thing in Big Trouble, Little China. Do you remember that?
0: It's been a long, giant? long time. Yeah.
1: And I was wondering. Did Jim Henson do Big Trouble in Little China stuff? But I don't think so. Maybe not. Because I mean, it, they just look very similar. Because I think I was kind of afraid of him. He was the freakiest looking. Razor. Razor.
0: I Out mean, they both
1: the, like turtles. No, like of the two
0: bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I didn't. I there was no fear in... For either one of them to I, be. So. I just thought he was kind of freaky
1: looking. <laughs>
0: uh, he had the ability to look a bit... I think they softened up his appearance. You know, they give them both, like, very big eyes. And, you know, yeah. it has that Henson vibe to their character creation and, and the masks and everything, of course. The, the voices also make a difference. They're both done by Frank Welker, who is a voice that over, you know legend i guess for lack of a better term but um,
1: it's just like <clears throat> since they're technically babies it's just like them making dumb little baby sounds like nom nom and mama they're calling shredder mama and yeah. it's just like that voice
0: yeah you have two different voices it's not the um
1: actual talking like the turtles
0: Right, because they're 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 brand new, right? Because they're they're new creatures. They found like a wolf. They found a snapping turtle, and then they mutated them using the ooze, and so they're just like, you know, the turtles have had fifteen years to and get to develop, uh, intelligence and this is just like three, three
1: days. So, but yeah, Shredder is like, why are they dumb? Because then the press of the professor is like, well, they're infants. Yeah. But I mean, they're strong. Look at them, like picking up cars and bending all these, like bar, like
0: bars and stuff. I don't know. It is one of the funnier sequences where he is being, where Schroeder is being called Mama, and Shredder's like, babies, they're babies. <laughs> I mean, uh,
1: there's a lot of stuff that's like cheesy funny. Yeah, cheesy I... funny.
0: And like that's meant to be a joke, and it but works. It's
1: like well. overly. It's over the top.
0: But a lot of like the fight quips just are not funny. It, it, yeah, the situational like, oh, have a nice fall type of a yeah. lame joke. It's way too much of that stuff. But every once in a while you get a good line like the they're babies or, you know, oh, it's a little bit too quiet. Oh, this is a little bit too easy. It's like, hey, okay. look, it's Raph. Oh, that's a little too Raph. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's, that's a funny. good line. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so every once in a while you get stuff like that. Um, I think, going back to the first scene, one of my favorite lines in the movie is really stupid, but it's, like, when Donatello's with, like, that bouncy clown. Yeah. And he's just, like, yeah! Yeah! And he's he's just, like, really super excited, as if he's just found, like, his new favorite toy. (laughs) But then he becomes, like, the bouncy clown and uses that to, like... Yeah,
1: that that part is funny. There are funny parts. But then there's also, like, over-the-top cheesy funny, where you're kind of rolling your eyes
0: at it. Like... Vanilla Ice in general, perhaps. Yeah,
1: I I mean, it's just like, let's bring in another person that's very popular at the time.
0: Like I said, kids know when they're pandering to them.
1: Yeah, and then do a whole dance-slash-fight sequence to ninja rap.
0: Which is (laughs) not a good song at at
1: all. As a child, it's a good song. If you're 10, like when it, I though? was 10.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, in the first one, you had Turtle Power.
1: Yeah, Turtle Power which was is fun.
0: so much better as a song.
1: I just remember playing Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, or singing that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> is a young child
0: yeah i mean saying that phrase over and over but like the rest of the rap i don't remember the
1: rap. all i know is going to go
0: (laughs) um yeah vanilla ice makes an appearance here he's just thrown into the whole situation the funny
1: thing is that this is near the end with the the big fight, I guess, with Toka and Brazar.
0: Yeah, it's where all the main fights happen. They're
1: all being thrown around in this abandoned warehouse, whatever the hell, on the docks of whatever in New York City. hmm And they get thrown into a wall where there's, like, an underground rave party thing happening with Vanilla Ice on stage. But it's just funny where they Vanilla and his crew s- stop... But then when they see them fighting, and then the crowd sees them, he's like, "Oh, let's whip up this song in yeah. three seconds!" It's like, "Oh, this
0: gives me an idea for a song!" Yeah, everyone like, follow me,
1: like and then here I know all the lyrics, and I know all the names of the turtles or something.
0: Yeah, and he and he knows that they're ninjas somehow. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like the fact that he knows that they're ninjas by like the fact he's that watching they them for three seconds. Into this other room yeah,
1: yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I can come up with a song in very immediately." And call it ninja rap.
0: Um, yeah. It's, there's at, a lot, at of, the white, time, lot a kid, of white you're dancing like, in the crowd, Oh, too. Yeah, yeah, A lot of white At
1: the dancing. time as a kid, you're like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I
0: don't know. I think, it, I guess it depends on who you're with, because me and my friends were like, ugh, vanilla. Like, we're, you know, already over vanilla ice. It's like oh, a, yeah, a personality at that time. Yeah. You know, so it, it's also that type of thing where, people thought the turtles were going to be the flash in the pan. No, vanilla ice is what you brought in. That was the flash in the pan. It, it was already too late by the time the movie came out. Uh as cool as ice probably also showed us. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's It would have been it,
1: funny. Yeah. Okay, this came out in March, and I think vanilla the cool as ice was later on in the year.
0: Yeah, like October-ish maybe even. Okay. I don't remember anymore.
1: Yeah, it was later in the year. I was just thinking it would have been funny if they showed the girl in Cool as Ice.
0: Oh, in the crowd. In the crowd. Yeah, as if this was like a like little a sequel.
1: like Easter egg type yeah. of thing. Like that's
0: uh, that's this was the party that she was at at the very end of Cool as Ice. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting.
1: I don't know if the crew that was up. To, I mean, the the thing happened so fast and.
0: Like his dancing crew is the same. But like, as in the, the movie- in
1: cool as ice movie?
0: The stage dancing people, not the ones who had speaking lines. Oh, okay. But yeah, like his, his you know, traveling crew were there with him. And like his, you know, DJ slash co-writer Earthquake was also up there. Um, but it's, it's an interesting place to have all of these fights. You have... Uh, the second half of the fight with Toca and Rezar, you have...
1: It's kind of also, it's just like they're doing all these things, like what you said before, pandering the kids. Because there's even a part where the professor puts the antidote or whatever in a glass, and the glass has Bart Simpson on it. And it's like he puts it straight up right into where, like, the oh, yeah. camera would be. As
0: if the movie's 3D, yeah. Yeah,
1: and for kids to be like, ooh, The Simpsons.
0: Well, also Cowabunga connection, because they both yeah, said Cowabunga they both back, say back that. in those days.
1: And I was, I haven't, I haven't looked up, like, who said Cowabunga
0: first. Oh, yeah. Surfers. I mean, they, yeah, they both, sur- it, it, came it came from, from surfers. surfers. Surfer language. <laughs>
1: it's surf lingo. So, but I was like, wait, did the Simpsons make that popular or did the Turtles?
0: My guess would be a Turtles because the cartoon was like 87, and Bart, 88. Yeah. And
1: then Bart Simpson said cowabunga like once. Yeah. A couple of times <laughs> in like the first couple of like episodes. Like he doesn't say it all the time in no. the Simpsons.
0: Yeah, I was like, eat my shorts and whatnot, and don't have a cowman. And yeah. Those are like the very early catchphrases. For the bad boy, that was going to ruin society because he said, don't don't have a cowman. <sighs> what a weird world we lived in. Um, but, is it, yeah, so we have the the background of this song where, like, three fights happen with Toka and Rezar. So, yeah, you alluded to this whole thing of the, the antidote, Shredder created these mutants. The way to save them is Professor Perry is creating an antidote that has to be ingested by food or drink. They have to they have to swallow this, this mm-hmm. antidote that will turn them back into their original form. And so they come up with this goofy-ass plan of, oh, we're going to inject it, or we're going to put it into donuts and say, oh... Before we fight, because
1: donut. Sh- yeah. Th-
0: the way they even get to this place in the first place is that Shredder says, "If you don't come to this abandoned construction site tonight, well, I'm going to set Token and raise our loose on C- Central Park, and they'll just you know create havoc." Because and they don't—they
1: can't be seen. That's one of the main things that the turtles cannot be seen by a human.
0: They're not supposed to be.
1: Because, They're you know, well, yeah, but then also, yeah,
0: <laughs> and turtles.
1: Yeah. So if like, a, cause when April and even Kino or just anyone, even just with like Casey Jones, but Casey Jones is kind of, well, in the first he's not one, in this one yeah. I know, but in the first one, he's just kind of like, what the fuck? Like he isn't surprised like how April is or even Kino cause Kino like faints when he sees the turtles and I think April sort of did in the first... Where she was like, I'm dreaming or I have a nightmare.
0: Kino didn't really faint. He, he got, um he got like, knocked out and put in the trash can for his own protection.
1: No, but From when, he, he, when Kino came to April's oh, yeah. When, apartment... When he, yeah, he somehow
0: he, pieced together that they lived with April. And yeah, Martin,
1: so. and they all appeared in front of them. He was like, what? And then he kind of just... His I eyes think it was when he
0: went, saw Splinter.
1: Oh, okay. Because whenever they finally see Splinter, everyone's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I see four turtles, and then now I see a live rat talking to me. Yeah. But then also Splinter is just kind of like you cannot be seen. And if you are seen, you your punishment is to do like ten backflips.
0: Yeah, it's like it's when they also just tease each other and go too far with the teasing, then... Or the, if they're fighting. Yeah. He's
1: like, go do ten... It's like doing 50 push-ups or yeah. something. Go do backflips and whatever. Which is another
0: example of how you can see how the suits are better constructed for mobility and stuff like that. And they don't utilize it very well in the fight scenes overall. Um, Yakino yeah, is an interesting character because he... Okay, first, as far as I know, his, cre- his character was created because Ernie Reyes Jr. did some work uh, in the first movie as a stunt double for Donatello. He was kind of a replacement. I, I guess the original person doing the stunts in the suit got hurt, and then he came in and, and filled in the gap. And they're like, you know, we love you. You're... He's a good actor as well. He's been in stuff like Last Dragon and Red Sonia and Psychics TV show. And then later on would do like surf ninjas and stuff like that. Um, so they wanted to give him a role and they created this character of Kino that's never appeared anywhere since. Mm. Uh, and he is a martial artist. You know, he knows this stuff. And so you get to see him doing really good moves in that opening mall scene and in a couple other other times. But for the most part, the turtle's like, no, get away. This is for your own protection. They don't They don't utilize him at all. They build him up as this person who's almost going to be like the fifth turtle in a sense yeah and then anytime he comes in and tries to save the day or tries to be used the turtles are like pushing him off to the side and he never gets his like moment of redemption it's very weird choice he's just sort of there to be there and i guess because they wanted to give him a role because they liked him as a person i don't know um it's strange but there, I think, there are a lot of underutilized characters. Like, you have Tatsu, as well, who was, you know, Shredder's second-in-command and becomes the new leader until Shredder works his way out of the garbage.
1: Uh, this is... Okay, so at the end... <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: At the end of the first movie, Shredder is, you know, in the back of the garbage truck. He gets compacted in. He's, quote, Dead. And then they show, you know, at the very end of the movie, he's, like, smushed in this garbage. They show his helmet. Yeah, they show his helmet getting crunched. Crunched in, yeah. So you you feel as if his whole body's gonna be, like, a pancake or something. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning of the movie, you know, his hand comes out through all this pile of garbage. And then I was like, how, like, is this the next day like, how many days or months was he in this trash heap? Because it makes it seem as if the the ending of the first movie and the beginning of this second one was like a day or a week goes by.
0: Yeah, we have no idea how long it's been. Um, it seems like it's been a little while, though, because the city acts as if everything's good and it's safe, and they talk about how the Foot Clan is basically... Non existent, and now they've all been virtually picked up by the police at this point. And you know, there's just, nothing that's going it, on anymore.
1: With um, I forgot his name already, Tatsu
0: as and, yeah, the Tatsu leader. Yeah, Tatsu is now the leader.
1: It seems as if he wasn't really a leader for long because he's kind of like, I don't know what the fuck to do now that Shredder is gone, besides move our whole foot clan to this abandoned warehouse area
0: yeah they're they're on the run they're on the ropes and so they're trying to rebuild and and that's one of the things that kino says is that they're trying to recruit any and everybody who has martial arts experience especially teenagers and so kino wants to infiltrate the whole
1: organization
0: by you know So they
1: just got rid of all the foot people in the first movie because all the foot they all got like arrested yeah but they were like kids literal kids
0: Useful. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, including like Sam Rockwell, who had a yeah, appearance in the first one, um, yeah, that's really the only help that Kino provides is that he infiltrates the the junkyard where they have their headquarters because he auditions to join and he's like the only one that can do things properly, even mm-hmm. though he has a little bit of help from Raph who has been um, does his thing and he goes it off, he goes off alone, sulking and. Joins forces with Kino to do this, whatever. Um, But then immediately, after he's, like, initiated and said, yep, you're good to go, they revealed that they're working, they get caught. Raph and Kino get caught immediately after being accepted. And now there's, like, this massive junkyard fight scene. So, and, and then the turtles have to help when Kino goes and tells April that Raph has been captured. So... Whatever. And and that's that's when they first get introduced to Token Rezar. they realize that these two animals are way too strong for them and they escape in the sewer to, you know, devise a plan and get the antidote stuff ready. All that kind of stuff. The plot is not that important. <laughs> <laughs> We're putting too much Right. Um, anyway, yeah, the the Donuts. All the all this to say the donuts is something when they go to the, the abandoned warehouse thing that they basically say oh you have oh let's before we start the fight how about the traditional sharing of the donuts and then they eat them i mean
1: if they were smart they would have been like how come you're not eating a donut yeah because they only gave the donuts to Tokon and rezar but then and they then... open one of the donuts like it crumbles in their hand and a little pill comes out and i was like I was thinking the antidote looked like it was batter already so why not make your own donuts and just put it within the batter instead of making little pill forms. Yeah. Like going the extra step to make a pill out of this batter.
0: It's weird. Um, But anyway, they they start burping a lot and there's like this little subsection thing where Professor Perry takes Donatello aside and basically is like mid-fight and it's like they're burping too much it's ruining the the antidote you have to get them to stop and here's what we gotta do we gotta like in inject co2 to you know counteract like, the burping it's like, it's like, uh, like uh,
1: why didn't you think about that or give that caveat prior to yeah, it's like <laughs>
0: mid-fight
1: it's like oh by the way
0: <laughs> but anyway like as soon as that's discovered they they've figure out a way to like get barrels but run the barrels yes. under them make them trip and then object them with fire extinguishers and they extinguishers. turn back to
1: their true form like almost immediately cause they like unlock a door and all of a sudden you see a cute wolf dog yeah. and a turtle yeah.
0: and then Tatsu like I said he's underutilized because he's, he's just sort of there and then they beat him in like one second they all just kind of gather around and it's then like they jump and put fo- all their shells yeah. back to back on him, and he's he's gone. These
1: are like. Ta- isn't Tatsu is like taught from the old way, from Japan, whatever they talk and about. And he just
0: like stands there and waits for shit to happen to him. It,
1: all the time. And like, how are these four turtles beating like 500 people and you when you're supposed to be some wizard and ninja?
0: history i don't know anyway he doesn't he doesn't get to fight he's just sort of there and waits for them to get bounced go
1: kill them
0: and then after they beat tatsu then the turtles start dancing and they get up on stage and it's a cheesy yeah that's very too much gross moment (laughs) um and then shredder gets blown away from the speaker because shredder comes up he's not super yet and he's like you know he's holding the canister kino like kicks it away and uh, the professor is able to run away with it, and we never see him again. And so that could set up a third movie. And uh, Michelangelo plays the electric keyboard, and the lo- the noise is so loud that <laughs> the, you know it blows it blows people. him away, sort of like in, you know, like Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Yeah, in the beginning like he gets blown out of the building, and everything is fine. But everyone else's hearing is also fine, I guess. But anyway, stupid. And then the next time you see Super Shredder, it's like they're they're celebrating, I guess, and and Super Shredder appears from under the docks.
1: But then he dies. And then he just destroys the docks, and yeah. And they fall on him, and he's dead.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Wait till the third movie. So, I don't know. Let's talk about some of the cast, though. Just because, you know, you talked about April. That's a very noticeable difference, right? But also Donatello's different.
1: Yes, the voice.
0: As is Raphael. The voices, yes. Not as noticeable with Raphael. We got Lori Faso providing the voice of Raphael now. Only did it in the second movie. Has not had a lot of credits otherwise. Was in summer school, but also does a lot of voice work, but is only credited as additional voices. I think that Laurie Faso did a great job of matching the original voice of Raph from Raph. the first movie.
1: Even though Raph in the first movie, that voice was over the top. It's over
0: the top New York accent, but this matches it pretty well. It doesn't go but as hard. But it's as not as hard.
1: As har- like, it's not as
0: hard. Not as super thick of the accent, but good enough like in Like you're...
1: Like you're a 1940s mobster or something. That's what the Rapha- Raphael sounded like in the first movie. Yeah. This one was, you got the New York accent, but it's not as hardcore, which I liked more. But the Donatello one, obviously, with like Corey Feldman.
0: It was very noticeably oh, different. Yeah. And...
1: But when we talked about... Rock and Roll High School for... It, the reason why Corey Feldman didn't do it was because of his addictions and stuff. Yeah. And I think he just took time off because I know he did The Voice again in the third one.
0: Yeah, the studio didn't want him for the second one because, because of, of the drug the rehab drug. scent okay. and they're afraid of the family. Friends, oh, and yeah. Stuff and they, like they're that. like,
1: we don't want your name put to this.
0: Yeah, but we do have his Rock and Roll High School co-star um, in here. The guy who played... Um, gosh, I didn't write it down.
1: The co- Yeah, the, the friend that was in Rock and Roll High School Forever. Yeah, yeah he's in this. He's, the first he's, and he's, second one, right? He's in this suit. No, just the, the second suit. one. Oh, the in third the third suit. One. Yeah.
0: Anyway, Adam Carl does the voice of Donatello. Only in this movie, as you said, uh, Corey returns for the third. Adam Carl has done voice work for Peter Pan and the Pirates, Denver the Last Dinosaur. He's also had live-action roles in Monster Squad and Life Goes On.
1: I I mean Corey Feldman has a very distinct voice and you you miss that yeah like I think Corey Feldman should do voice work because he has a good
0: voice for that
1: does he do that
0: I haven't looked. I only looked at the people on this cast list because the cast list is huge. Yeah, you can. Go, um, I'm just thinking and, and of. partly because.
1: Feldman is a good voice actor because he just has a good voice for, like, cartoony. Yeah. People and yeah. now I'm thinking, did he ever do any of that besides this?
0: But yeah, the, it, this this cast is huge. Partly because you have people who are doing the voices, and then also people who are in the suits. Yeah. Who are different, or even people who are not in suits, like Tatsu, Toshihiro. Obata is the person who plays him physically. He's in the 1991 movie Showdown in Little Tokyo as well, but he's also been in things like Demolition Man. Um, he also has started his own international Shinkendu Federation, um, aka the Obata Kaisu. But he's voiced by Michael McConaughey. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, who is a very prolific voice actor who's done things from like G.I. Joe Transformers to a lot of anime and video game work uh, overwatch world of Warcraft uh, Mortal Kombat initial D vampire hunter D and my favorite bobobo bobo bobo that is the name of an anime that he has appeared in like 70 something episodes of so that's like, tatsu what is that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the title okay <laughs> it's bobobo dash bow that's the first word the but... second word is Bo dash bobo
1: <laughs> well, now I want to know what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was too busy writing down credits; I didn't okay. go into the details of it. But anyway, this is the person who voices tatsu Same thing with Shredder. Shredder is is performed by uh, Francois Chau, uh, who's who was kick quick kick in GI Joe. He's been in Beverly Hills Ninja, Wing Commander. he's had um, a prominent role in Lost in the Expanse, but he's voiced by a different person, David McCarim. Uh, who doesn't have a whole lot of voice work credit to his name, um, but he was in the live-action Popeye as Harry Hot Cash. So, it, it's it's weird how they double all these people. Yeah. Um, and then you have you know a couple returning people, but yeah, not not too terribly many. A lot of the turtles were just Jim Henson puppeteers for the most part. You know, like. Um, a lot of the people who were in dinosaurs were in this. So, like, the person yeah. who was in the Donatello suit was Robbie Sinclair. And the person who was in the Michelangelo suit was in the Charlene Sinclair suit. So, stuff like that. Uh, and obviously, like, Splinter was voiced by Kevin Clash, who is baby Sinclair's voice, mm. um, which, you know, you don't see that... You don't hear it in Splinter's voice, but it no. is... It is him, and it, that's also the voice of Elmo. He had some... Um, controversy around his name for a while there but apparently he has cleared of all charges and is working with the henson company again because he is part of the fraggle rock reboot and the dark crystal reboot that they try to do for netflix as well um so yeah that's splinter um other cast and crew i guess since we're in this now <laughs> we'll talk about michael pressman who's the director and also has a cameo as the nude manager you know he's, he's yelling at april o'neill in one scene. He is an Emmy winner, uh, twice over for producing Picket Fences, also nominated for producing Chicago Hope. He's done things like Chicago Med, Law and Order, and Dateline NBC. On the directing side, he's done To Jillian on our 37th birthday, Dr. Detroit, and Some Kind of Hero. And his mom and dad make cameos as that couple who are entering the cab, uh, when Token and okay. are, are terrorizing that one street. Okay. Uh, and his dad, David is also a director who directed 824 episodes of One Life to Live and is a three-time Emmy winner for that. So, uh, Todd L. Langan, who is the writer of this, also wrote the first movie. Um, and you can see the, the similarities in the writing style, but obviously with different director and different tone, people were not as happy with this one. Um, he was the co-writer of Ninja Rap as well as writing this movie. Uh, He's written uh, The Pursuit of Happiness, 1987 TV, not the movie, with Will Smith. Um, And he's also Emmy-nominated and Humanitas Prize and Writers Guild winner for The Wonder Years. But he doesn't have a lot of writing credits. It's mostly Wonder Years, Turtles, and that's about it. David Warner we talked about is Professor Perry. We've seen him in Cast a Deadly Spell. Recently passed away, just as his uh, co-star in that movie, Fred Ward, has. He's also in the 1991 movies Blue Tornado, Drive, Star Trek VI, but he's had a very prolific career in things like Tom Jones, Time Bandits, Tron, The Omen, Titanic, and In the Mouth of Madness. So, uh, But apparently he loved playing this role. He loved working on this movie, and he considers it one of his favorites, partly because he got to play largely a good guy. Mm. So...
1: It wasn't because he was interacting with turtles, <laughs> like, <laughs> people in turtle suits.
0: I think it's, yeah, like, it's one of those things where people take roles because they want to give their kids something that they can, Yeah. You know, like, here's a movie I can do and show it to my kids. So I think that's part of it. And also he got to help the good guys, whereas most of the time you know, he's playing the yeah. evil, evil jerk. Uh, we do have a couple other voices here. We got Robbie Riss as Michelangelo. He's in all three of the Turtles movies. He's also uh, been in Kid Video, Brady Bunch. He was Cousin Oliver in in the Brady Bunch, Uh, Balto. He's also done voiceover work for Initial D and Naruto. Doc McStuffins, he plays Stuffy on that if anyone has kids and knows what that means. (laughs) (laughs) But we've seen him before. In the 1991 short, The Wish That Changed Christmas he had a role in that mcdonald's sponsored christmas
1: thing is who? i don't know
0: oh okay. just just probably additional voices probably oh the okay
1: crowd or something.
0: But it was interesting to see that come up again on our list there uh brian toji played leonardo as the voice he also did that same voice for all three movies he's been in things like the amazing chan and the chan clan space academy i think those are Space Academy is live action. I'm not sure about Amazing Chan. Uh, Bionic 6, Revenge of the Nerds 4, and also Mortal Kombat, Defenders of the Realm is Liu Kang. I think most of those are live action. Because he also does martial arts stuff as well, but he only did the voice in this. Uh, we already talked about Frank Welker a little bit, but just you know, to remind people, he was in Suburban Commando as Alien General Souter, and also in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey as the Devil, the Easter Bunny, and Station, uh, we'll see him again in Hudson Hawk and Beauty and the Beast, but he's done everything. He did both Toka and Razar's voice. That sh- sort of shows his range. Like, the Razar voice is basically what he did for Dr. Claw. Mm. And the Toka voice is what he does for all those little tiny creatures. He, that's, like, one of his—that's his bread and butter. He's, like, doing all the, like the crazy little creatures, like the Punky Brewster cartoon had the little sidekick and, um Slimer. It's basically the yeah, same yeah, voice yeah. as he did for Slimer or Nibbler. Or, you know, things like that. Uh, But he's done everything from Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo, Megatron and Soundwave in Transformers. He's been Tom and Jerry. He's been Barney Rubble. He is the current voice of Garfield uh, and Curious George, and also Grimace, since we're talking about fast food stuff earlier. Amazing. And then lastly, I want to talk about the person who was in the Super Shredder suit. That was Kevin Nash. At the time, he was a WCW wrestler as part of the Master Blasters tag team and also known as the Oz. I guess he got rebranded a bunch of times. He bounced back and forth between different companies. He's um, several-time Wrestlemania champion. He is two times inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, both as a solo act and also part of his NWO, but he's been a long-time wrestler and Kevin Nash is the person who was in the Superstar suit. Uh, In terms of awards, this movie performed pretty well in the box office. Budget of twenty five million, got a close to eighty million, so not too bad. Uh, but in terms of awards, not a whole lot to speak of there. It was shut out of the MTV Movie Awards, not even a Best Fight. What a surprise! That's weird. Um, but it won the BMI Film and TV Music Award, Jean Duprez. But there are several winners that year. I don't know how they. I didn't see any nominees. I just saw a bunch of winners. So they gave it to like 10 I mean, or 12 For the different soundtrack,
1: movies. which is.
0: Maybe it's. Weird. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Be- was it because of Ninja Rap? Because like so. the other music is. You can you barely hear it.
0: Yeah, I, I really don't know. And like. I will say this. As a kid, watching the first movie, you kind of missed the cartoon theme song. Yeah. You expect it, but it's not there. But the theme song that you do get is good. Yeah. I think the alternate theme song that appears in the movies for the Turtles is good. So like aside from Turtle Power, aside from Ninja Rap, just the the musical soundtrack one, uh, is solid. And so, you know, maybe that's partly what it's for. Anyway. Um, also young artist nomination for the best co star in a motion picture for Ernie Reyes Jr., he lost to Daniel Newman for Robin Hood. And then also uh, the movie itself won the best you know, or most favorite movie at the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, so it took home took home a golden blimp. If it was gold back then, I'm not sure. On to true crime and pop culture we go.
1: Okay, one thing I will say: this movie was released March twenty second, nineteen ninety one, which was a Friday, and on this day, Pamela Smart was found guilty in New Hampshire of oh. manipulating her student lover of killing her husband. Interesting.
0: Helen Hunt found guilty. Yes. Yeah.
1: And that's where we watched the murder in New Hampshire. Based Very good. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I that movie came out later in the year, obviously. I can't remember. Was, I'm always thinking October. I feel like so many movies came out in October.
0: But it was a big month.
1: It was um yeah so this, this is the day she was found guilty hmm. but just moving on to pop I mean we sort of talked about pop culture and you can you can probably go more into it cuz you're the turtle yeah. you're in the Teenage Ninja, ninja Turtle person
0: <laughs> I collected a um, lot of turtle stuff I out. will
1: say you yeah. know because it had a lot of video games obviously the the biggest game in any arcade was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. That was huge, and it's probably kind of still huge if you it's, go to like a it's still huge. a retro arcade. Okay. There's people always playing Ninja Turtles.
0: Here's here's how huge the Turtles arcade game is. <laughs> um, not only is it like re-released constantly, so they have these things called arcade one-up. Machines, mm-hmm. which is basically um, mini-sized cabinets you can put into your home if you want to spend like five hundred dollars on a you know smaller-sized arcade cabinet. They have one of those for this. It gets reissued all the time. Uh, there is a lot of interest and hype around this newer game called Shredder's Revenge, which is designed in the exact same style as that old arcade game. And yeah, that's, that got a massive release and, and a lot of hype around it too. Um, that arcade game was also released on the NES. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they also made additional follow-ups like Turtles in Time, which is the only game that I th- know of where Toka and Rezar appear. Because those two characters were kind of left out of the canon of Turtles lore for the most part. I don't think they ever appeared in the comic. I could be wrong about that. I think they appeared in the reboot of the cartoon or one of the reboots of the cartoon. Yeah,
1: there's multiple. That's I was sort of gonna talk about that, but I don't. There's multiple reboots, and even currently, you know, they did that the fourth animated series where Nickelodeon. Which I've heard good made, things about. And then there's yeah. the new um, animated. Movie that was on Netflix that was released back in August of 2022, which is that
0: the Seth Rogen fronted? No, one?
1: the Seth Rogen thing, which I was gonna talk about. <laughs> okay. that's coming. There, according that's to live s- action, mm, it's gonna be animated too. Oh, okay. So it's according to ScreenRant.com. dot com, yes, Seth Rogen is working on his own version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's gonna be coming out in. 2023. It's going to be called Mutant Mayhem. It's a reboot primarily focusing on the Turtles. uh, Kind of, they're working with the Jost brothers. So Colin Jost and his brother. Okay. And it will have, it will be more for the fans who are into the first. Iteration. so these first two or first three movies from the 90s and the cartoons from the 80s, yeah. and it's not anything dealing with the Michael Bay sure. franchise, yeah. which I haven't seen and you haven't seen, I don't think. No. I don't know anything about the Michael Bay fran- turtle franchise, like what... No. Happened there,
0: but also say that the comics are a much different vibe as well. Where it's it is yeah, a much darker, darker tone. So intentionally, I'm, like, I'm... and it has different lore and, and so characters. Is that and stuff, what Michael so. Bay's movies? I don't know. Were? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I I really think they're all just kind of their own separate parallel universe type of a thing. But it'll be interesting to see if they possibly bring back Token Razor. Obviously, in the canon of this movie. They can't come back because they have been reverted back to their original forms and so it kind of makes sense they're not looped in anywhere but I, I mean even though it wasn't rock stadium bebop like we expected as kids i still kind of like their characters i do like that there is something of a finality i wish that shredder was dead in the first one i wish that i, I like that there's the finality of token razar in this movie that they will not come back because they are now they've been officially defeated you know that kind of aspect of it is kind of cool um, but yeah, I think they only appear in the Turtles in Time video game, in terms of pop culture. Um, they did also have action figures.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, of
0: course. <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised that they didn't, like, they majorly market that, Like this a movie. commercial for that? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't majorly market this movie and, like, create... Turtles Two Secret of the Ooze board games or a video game called Secret of the Ooze. They didn't go overboard like that. Is like well, they did. I mean, the we can also... card set. It was the action figures, and that was about it.
1: They did do food tie-ins to the ooze because the the hostess cakes they did more like when you open the hostess cake, the inside was like a green mm, ooze. The and then they also had um, the Nabisco did these royal gelatins where they were either like orange strawberry or lime for the green okay then there I was like you then then chef boyardee you know they had the turtle shaped pasta yeah so i so i think that was their sort of tie in to the
0: ooze a lot of food stuff but yeah <laughs> food not, stuff. not but... as many toys and things like that yeah well
1: because i think the ooze would be so much like slime and then you had slime from like nickelodeon so i don't know you what...
0: also had slime with turtles figures too oh okay some of the earlier ones i mean they're because the ooze was just part of turtles lore it wasn't just this movie it was yeah. that's how the turtles appeared yeah from and <laughs> so they're sort of like he-man as well they had some ooze um i remember yeah it got kind of crusty if you let it sit too long oh yeah but it did exist
1: another thing is that there was a concert tour did you ever see them i did not
0: t- go to the concert tour i think um at one of the theme parks they had like a performance thing as well a state show at like uh, universal probably it would have been not disney
1: so, the, yeah, so the concert tour was, it first premiered in August of 1990, where it was a live action, kind of like Disney on ice, but, you know, they're not on ice. Right. <laughs> it's uh, kind of like, they they toured as a band, so Donatello was on the keyboards, Leonardo played the guitar, Raphael was on the drums and saxophone. And then Michelangelo on the guitar. So Leo was bass and Michelangelo guitar. And it was... The plot line was April O'Neil was kidnapped by Shredder and the Turtles have to rescue her by music. So it was kind of like Bill and Ted-ish where they had to use the power of music yeah. to save April O'Neil.
0: I, I... I don't know if I had both of these but i know it was released on cassette as well as like record yes Uh and i think we have both like the record as well as the cassette version of it yeah (laughs) i was a big turtles collector
1: yeah i know that that's why i'm asking you (laughs) but they also uh had this um concert tour released on vhs and i was gonna look this up but i didn't like if it's on youtube maybe I'll find it. And then they did have Disney MGM Studios theme park in June of 1990. Okay. They had n- the New York Street section of yeah, MGM yeah. kind of turtle themed and I don't think
0: that that's most that must be what I you were thinking of. Yeah. I don't think I I think they did a little bit of a, like a performance that. thing. Yeah, they yeah.
1: did they did something
0: where it was called the Ninja Dance
1: while April performed a song,
0: so... I would not be surprised if there are pictures of that at my parents' house. that <laughs> I will not have access to to put on the website for, <laughs> before all this launches, but yeah.
1: And they also had roller coasters and amusement rides. A lot of... a couple of them are in the Mall of America. Okay. I don't know if they're still there, but it said that there was a roller coaster that opened in 2012 which is, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shell Shock. And then there's a Shredder's Mutant Masher, which is like a pendulum pendulum ride that okay. opened in two, two, 2015. Those so pirate ship looking things. Yeah. But, you know, shredding you back and forth. I don't know. <laughs> like pitting a pendulum. <laughs> yeah, it probably looks like a pendulum <laughs> like, blade. Yeah. So that's a, the Mall of America, which I've never been never to. Never been to, Yeah
0: it be interesting to go.
1: Yeah, I would go on it now, if yeah. it's there.
0: Yeah, I would go to Mall of America in general, and I would go ride on some rides there for sure.
1: Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. Uh, it, if you don't have anything else, I can't yeah, think in of terms anything of, <laughs> else.
0: In terms of Secret of the Ooze specific, all I really saw was the Turtles in Time game, where Token Rays are making an appearance. You got the action figures, where you had a few, you know, new... Movie version Leo, Ralph, yeah. Ralph, I mean, uh, <laughs> Ralph. Uh, super Shredder figure, of course. Um, oh, yeah. And then also the Topps card set, which they did, like, Topps was, you know, the king of non sports stuff back then. So they had movie tie in cards for everything. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings, I guess. Yeah. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Turtles 2? I'm not going to say the full name. Um, okay, okay,
1: I'm going to give... The first movie, I'm going to give a three. Yeah. This movie, I'm going to give a two.
0: <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to be as generous with the second movie. I think it, the second movie is probably a one and a half star for me. I, I mean, I know that even as a kid, I watched the first one a lot more. I don't think the first one is all that great. Like The humor is not good. But in terms of like tone and yeah, just it's... introduction, like giving you any sort of live action turtle fix, I think that's definitely the one you still want to go with. I, yeah, I do think it's probably like a two and a half or a three star for the yeah, first Yeah, it's one kind
1: of too. like Batman. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like when he, like that type of, not too know. gritty, but it's like dark because it's like New York and it's dark, gritty streets. Yeah. Just... Crime. I don't know there's just, And their storyline is a little.
0: It's tough to quantify the appeal of the first one. There's a lot of more iconic lines in the first one. You know, mm-hmm. the darker tone helps a lot because and it's I not like, too dark, even but it's like still like Casey atmospheric. Jones. Yeah, you got Casey Jones in there. Um, I don't know. Just...
1: Casey Jones was my favorite when I was growing up. So.
0: He was a good character as well in the in the cartoon. Yeah, that's so, I
1: liked him in the cartoon and I liked him in the And a cool movie. action
0: figure, because he had like all of, like these little yeah, supplies. Were... He had the golf club and the baseball bat you could mm-hmm. put in his little satchel in the back. So yeah. I'm saying I'm saying one and a half for this movie. It's it's below average. It's not as fun as Suburban Commando in a way. I don't know. Like it did talk about like the preview from Yeah. I feel like Suburban Commando was fun. This was this was fun, but I don't know. It's like too cheesy and, and too pandering. I don't know. Anyway, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again?
1: Sure. <laughs> I mean, I kind I don't of hate would. it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of would. Like, if we did a one, like if you did a trilogy, watching the first, second, and third. Then yeah. Then yeah.
0: It's not bad enough to not watch again. It's
1: No, I don't hate this movie. I wasn't like pissed off that I was watching it. No. Like, like some movies. <laughs> but it's just like I'm kind of curious to watch the other ones now. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the third one again just to see, you know was I just blinded as a child and expecting more cartoon stuff and the fact that it wasn't in New York and all the like? I don't know. But this one, yeah, I'd watch it again. It's, it's goofy, silly fun. It's it's not a terrible background movie. No. Um, but the first one is better. Yeah. If you out there want to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, as of this recording in October 2022, it's available on Netflix, HBO Max, digital rental, VHS or DVD, so always check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 MovieRewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to continue the action theme a little bit. We're going to watch Out for Justice. It's available as a digital rental, PHS, or DVD. We will see you